Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, my friends, I want to let you all know that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead, after being knocked down, is now available for pre-order. I'll make sure the link is available in the show notes below. All right, my friends, let's do the show. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome, everyone, to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. My friends, there is a silent epidemic. This epidemic that lives in our microbiome is known as SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which is a really, really nasty disease that many, many people are walking around and they don't even know they actually have it. My guest today is the world-renowned Dr. William Davis. Many of you might know him from his best-selling breakthrough book known as Wheat Belly, which informed readers that the wheat and grains we consume today are not the same wheat and grains of our ancestors and were making us overweight and sick. Today, I'm very excited to share this conversation with Dr. Davis because Dr. Davis has decided to tackle a very new challenge, and that is gut digestive health, or more specifically looking at SIBO. Dr. Davis takes his research and findings a step further and shows that because of our highly processed diet, pesticides, and overuse of antibiotics, our guts uh, uh, is, is now... Uh, missing so many of the good bacteria required for it to be healthy. As a result, many of us have lost control over our health, weight, mood, and even behavior. SIBO affects all of those areas and much more. The ancient bacteria that keep our gut in alignment and our digestion easy have been dying off, sadly, replaced by harmful microbes that don't serve to keep us physically healthy and mentally fit. With cutting edge research, Dr. Davis has connected the dots between gut health and modern ailments and complaints. And in his brand new book called Super Gut, it shows you guys how to eliminate bad bacteria and bring back the missing good bacteria with a four week diet plan, 
to reprogram your microbiome based on his research and techniques. And for those of you that don't know who Dr. William Davis is, he's a world-renowned preventative cardiologist and author of the groundbreaking number one New York Times bestseller, like I mentioned before, Wheat Belly, and three other New York Times bestsellers too, Wheat Belly Cookbook, Wheat Belly 30 Minutes, and many, many more. He's a graduate of St. Louis University School of Medicine with training in internal medicine and cardiovascular disease and advanced training in angio, angioplasty uh, at Case Western Reserve University Hospitals, where he also served as director of the Cardiovascular Fellowship and assistant professor of, of of medicine. And this conversation, I kid you not, is a, another groundbreaking conversation. I love speaking with doctors uh, that know something to do with SIBO. Uh, and Dr. William Davis certainly knows a lot when it comes to SIBO and what to do with that. So if you do have gut issues at the moment, I highly encourage you guys to get a copy of his book, Super Gut. I have two copies. Uh, and I'll be giving away one copy to uh, a, a listener. All you have to do is share this conversation on social media. Make sure to tag myself, IMJ Phantom, or the Storybox, or you can uh, follow Dr. Davis. Make sure to tag him as well on, on Instagram, or you can leave a rating and review. It has to be a review as well. Screenshot that and send it to me. Uh, if you want to get a free copy of this great, great book that is literally going to transform your life. So don't forget to do that if that's what you want to do as well. But for those that don't, <laughs> please leave a rating and review anyway and share this conversation around to all your friends and your family. And what better way to do that to support Dr. Davis and his work uh, by just sharing it around because you, you love this conversation and I have no doubt that you will. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to learn how we can get our own super gut as we journey into the story box today and listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than the world-renowned expert himself, Dr. William Davis. Thank you, Jay. Thank you for the invitation. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for your time, and this is a topic of conversation that I am very interested in and learning. I have had several conversations now in the last couple of weeks with different uh, doctors regarding SIBO. So I'm glad that more research is being done in this field to help people because sadly, I think more and more people are getting SIBO and not really knowing that they've got SIBO and having to suffer with it. <laughs> uh, before we dive further into your, your research and your work in just a moment, the very first question that I have for you is a question that I love starting off all my conversations with, which is what does success look like for you? Success looks like you and I get to take on the projects that we like to do. That is, we have the freedom, financial and um, uh, political, that we can say what we believe. And that is sadly, Jay, becoming more and more difficult lately because we have people with deep pockets, you know who I'm talking about, trying to block just talking about health. And you know, and my, my colleagues, I for the most part, I'm talking about mainstream MDs. I'm not talking about naturopaths and functional medicine docs who have diverted away from the mainstream. Mm -hmm. But the mainstream healthcare system is 
I think, corrupt. I think it's lost its way. And it's, it's become just a big business. And so if you and I get to pick the projects we really are devoted to or dedicated to and get to speak the truth, that makes me happy. Mm. Are you finding it more, I believe you are finding it more and more difficult to actually do the kind of projects that you want to do these days because of that current, I guess, trend from like we we're talking about just before we started recording this. Uh, big organizations <laughs> uh, coming in and trying to take away uh, important information, important research, like from yourself. So what do you do in, 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 this, in the face of all this adversity that you're currently facing? Well, you know, as you know, uh, in the U.S., drug, direct consumer drug advertising is a big thing. It's a multi-billion dollar business. It's consuming more and more of the money that is raked in by big media, both print and broadcast. And it means that for the last several years, people like you and me can't get on TV anymore. We can't get on morning news. We can't get on health shows. We, in fact, they don't even want to talk about health anymore because it might antagonize their, their one of their biggest advertisers, Big Pharma. And so that's why, uh, as I mentioned, I think what you're doing and other podcasters and radio seems to be still a safe haven. Some print media will say nasty things about Big Pharma and uh, allow you to speak the truth. Uh, but the, the the media world is shrinking where you and I can actually express our opinions. You know, in the U.S., there are countless medical bankruptcies, people who get, go bankrupt because of their medical bills, healthcare bills, who have insurance. And so it's not just the uninsured, it's the insured also. Yet you hear not a word about this in the media. When you, you hear thing about things like you know, a pig heart put in a human, but you hear nothing about actual health issues. You hear about the things that generate hype and, and excitement for the healthcare system because it generates revenues. And I think that's a really bad path to go down. Yeah, we need those things on occasion, but we really need to talk about what's gone wrong in nutrition and health and healthcare. But so that's why I, I'm, I'm right behind you in supporting what you're doing. Thank you for doing that. What keeps you going despite all of this? What keeps you trying to push your messages out there to help people? Because there are bad people out there. There's people like Vladimir Putin. Yeah. There's people like Donald Trump. There's people who want to be in power, have money, and take advantage of little people. And I think that's just plain wrong. You know, Health is actually something everybody can achieve. But the last person you want to talk to to achieve health is the doctor. Now, Jay, in what world does that make any sense? You know, if, if your car doesn't start and um, uh, you, you have it towed to the, the car mechanic and he says, I don't know what's wrong. I'll just replace the engine. And you say, well, wait, you know, couldn't you check the starter motor or the battery or, you know, something like that? He says, oh, no, we just replaced the, the engine. It's going to be $7,000. Yeah. doesn't work, right? There's no way they do that. Same thing in healthcare. Why is healthcare like that? Where the last person you want to, the person with the least knowledge of health is the doctor. It, and it's wrong. It shouldn't be. The doctor should be an expert in nutrition, in nutrients, in the microbiome, all the things that are crucial to obtaining health. And yet the, the doctor is a complete amateur at this. In fact, makes fun of you, right? Yeah. Oh, Jay, did you consult Dr. Google again? You know, who, who's got the medical degree, you or me, all that stuff you hear. Uh, 
and by the way, they're very clever at covering up their deep ignorance. Say so they, they practice willful ignorance. They pay attention and learn about the things that generate revenues. They don't bother to learn about the things that don't generate revenues. And so nutrition and microbiome, well, it doesn't pay. So why bother? But that's why what you're doing, what we're all trying to do, really, really does matter. Do you believe that human health is getting worse or becoming a little bit better? You know, healthcare has done a good job in certain spheres, like infectious disease, for the most part, putting aside viral pandemics, uh, nematode infestations, and those kinds of things. They've done a lousy job. You know, uh, the healthcare industry, they don't say this out loud. They used to, by the way, yep. until about 20 years ago. Up till 20 years ago, if you got the annual report for pharmaceutical industry, they would say things like, we had a great year. Diabetes, the incidence of type 2 diabetes is exploding, and our revenues are exploding <laughs> as a result. So they're throwing parties, Jay, because of the explosion, the epidemics of diabetes and autoimmune diseases and depression, because they see health from the flip side. They see it from the profit side. And so while we lament, we worry about the explosion of depression and suicide attempts and opioid overdoses and cardiovascular disease and autoimmune diseases and cancer, they celebrate it because that's where their money comes. So they look for long-term opportunities. You know, having pneumonia is a two-week opportunity for them. Having hypertension, high cholesterol, or an autoimmune condition is a lifelong opportunity for them. So that's what they look for. They don't focus on the near term. They focus on the long-term flow of revenue. Yeah. Which I think is really, really sad. I mean, it's just putting more and more people at risk and not really curing anything. Just let's take more and more drugs, line our pockets even more, and then the population gets even more sick. It's like, mm -hmm. what good does that do? Absolutely nothing. I agree. I agree. But we got to fight it because uh, I fear they're winning. You know, last I checked, I don't have $6 billion for my marketing budget this year, but thank you. No. Yeah, I think we should definitely fight it. And I'm glad there are, there are people like you out there that, yeah, continue to spread this amazing message out there. And I'm, I'm grateful for you that don't give up. <laughs> um, you know, on the positive side, Jay, the power in the microbiome I'm becoming, I'm appreciating is, is extraordinarily powerful. Mm. So I, I call them sometimes microbiceuticals because we're getting to the point in our insight in the microbiome where I think we're not that far away from saying things like, if you have rheumatoid arthritis, get these five microbes. If you're depressed, get these three microbes. If you have a baby who you want to be free of asthma, irritable bowel syndrome, obesity, type two diabetes, and have a higher IQ, get these microbes. It's getting that powerful. Do you believe that all disease and all illness begins in the gut? I think a ton begins in the gut. Falling out of a tree and breaking your leg doesn't break in the gut. But, <laughs> but you know, there are so many conditions that, you're right, do indeed originate in the gut that you'd never think. You know, the, the internal dialogues we have with ourselves, whether it's one of contentment or one of hate, is largely determined by the microbes in your GI tract.
Wow. You know, the, your mood is determined by your GI. How fast you age is determined by the GI tract. Cancers, neurodegenerative disorders, autoimmune diseases, coronary disease, atrial fibrillation, psoriasis, seborrhea, uh, rosacea. I mean, these are all diseases that are at least uh, either originate or worsen by factors in the microbiome. Wow. How powerful is a microbiome in our, our gut? Isn't it ironic, Jay, that we spent decades since 1928 when penicillin was discovered, yeah. we spent decades throwing bombs into our microbiomes and then tolerating the couple of weeks of diarrhea you'd have after a course of antibiotics and then thinking that was that was the end of it. It doesn't matter. Now we appreciate that was very wrong and that taking antibiotics, while there are times, there's no questions, it's necessary to do so, yeah. it is something you may never recover from or have a long, hard time recovering from because the microbiome is crucial, very, very important. And we throw bombs at it. So we've got to take some lessons from uh, what we're learning about the microbiome. So why, why do some people that are relatively healthy early on in life, why is it that they end up developing certain diseases and illnesses that do originate in the gut? What usually happens there? There's a long list of factors. So, you know, let's say a young woman delivers a baby. Well, that young woman probably took antibiotics herself. Most people by age 40, certainly in the U.S., have taken 30 courses of antibiotics. For every 1,000 Americans, 800 antibiotic prescriptions are written every year. For children, for every 1,000 children, over 1,300 antibiotic prescriptions are written per year. So the baby starts out. So the microbiome conferred to the baby through the mother is flawed because mom took a non-steroidal agent for her menstrual cramps, took antibiotics for her urinary tract infection or upper respiratory infection. She gets herbicide pesticide exposure in her food. She gets glyphosate, the active ingredient in Roundup herbicide, which is also an antibiotic. Yeah. She gets uh, food additives like synthetic sweeteners like aspartame and sucralose or emulsifying agents like polysorbate 80 and ice cream and salad dressing. Or she took other drugs like stomach acid suppressing drugs like ranitidine and Prilosec or antidepressant drugs or birth control pills. So, so mom starts with a flawed microbiome passes it on to the baby. If the baby is vaginally delivered and is breastfed, of course, uh, about a third of children in the U S are delivered by C-section now. Mm -hmm. And at six months, half of the baby is no longer being uh, breastfed. So there's another issue in there. And then the antibiotics uh, uh, given to children, as well as all those other factors, the herbicides, pesticides that, that apply to children. So with each passing generation, there's fewer and fewer important microbes remaining in the microbiome. And there's an overgrowth of unhealthy, mostly stool microbes. And that's leading to the thing that you're very familiar with, that is SIBO. Yeah. So when you lose important species like lactobacillus rotari and fecalobacterium, uh, you have proliferation of unhealthy species. And a lot of people know these bad species because they've, they've heard about E. coli and salmonella and staphylococcus because these are stool organisms. They're also the organisms of food poisoning, you know, because oh. the kid at the fast food restaurant who didn't wash his hands after going number two and flipping your burgers and, and you can get uh, food poisoned that way too. But those are the species to a large degree of SIBO that come to dominate all 30 feet of the um, GI tract. And that is, you know, what 
I used to think CBOJ was a rare thing. Mm. I said, oh, you know, we all have dysbiosis that is disrupted by Balfour species in the colon, but CBOJ, oh, that's rare. This is what changed my mind, the air device. If if your listeners, if your uh, viewers don't know, it's A-I-R-E. It's from a company called Food Marble. I I have no relationship with them. They're just good people. They're, They're my friends now. They're in Dublin, Ireland. And Dr. Angus Short, PhD, uh, an engineer, not a physician, but an engineer, uh, was watching his girlfriend, now wife, deal with a low FODMAPs diet that is that comes from Monash, right, university, in your neck of the woods. And uh, they advocate a low fiber, low sugar diet for people with irritable bowel syndrome, IBS. But he saw how tough it was for her and how a little slip up she'd end up with diarrhea and bloating and pain. So he invented this device to detect hydrogen gas that bacteria produce. And it showed her when she slipped up. Well, I got a hold of it and I called him up. I said, Angus, you understand what you invented? He says, no, I don't. I thought it was just for FODMAPs and IBS. And I thought, no, this is is a device that maps out where bacteria are. Are they up high in the GI tract or just in the colon? And it explains how food intolerances develop. You might call it FODMAPs or histamine-containing foods or nightshades or sorbitol or fructose or fruit or legumes. All those food intolerances, the great majority of them are SIBO from bacteria living in the upper GI. And this, so when I started talking about this with my audience, thousands of people started doing it. Jay, it was shocking. It was the unusual person who tested negative. Now, people would say, well, maybe the test is invalid, but this is what happened. People would test positive. It's a zero to 10 scale. Uh, Any rise in four units is positive because each unit corresponds to it. For those of uh, in in your audience who understand H2 breath tests, the formal H, there's uh, you test parts per million. So one unit on the air corresponds to five parts per million on a formal H2 breath test done in the clinic or a laboratory. So Uh, people test positive, they eradicate the SIBO, and then they test negative, 1.2, something like that, down from 10. And they say, you know what? And my eczema finally went away, or my depression lifted, or my rheumatoid arthritis is finally completely gone. I'm off the biologic and the prednisone. In other words, we saw uh, health uh, uh, improvements correspond to the reduction in hydrogen gas on the air device. I'm going to get myself one of these devices. I think that's such a good and useful device. But you know, it's a couple hundred bucks, at least in the US. You can get these coupon codes. Sign up for the email, they send you a coupon code, you know. And yep. the new device uh, measures both hydrogen and methane for another collection of microbes. Can you get them here in Australia still? I, I believe people have. Hmm. I know it's a bit more hassle. You know, because they're in Europe, I think Angus is very aware that this is not just meant to be a U.S. thing, right? Yeah. I, I believe they're in several countries now. Well, hopefully I can get one of those because I think it'd be really, really helpful. And if my audience is listening to this and you want to get one, definitely would be worth a shot in trying. I mean, what's a couple hundred bucks to curing and living a healthy life, you know? You know, uh, you can use it over and over and over again. You can yep. share it with people in your family. You don't want to share it with neighbors and coworkers. Not like <laughs> you wouldn't share your toothbrush, right? <laughs> Put your mouth on it. 
But and you can use it over and over again. Unlike formal testing, if you go to the doctor and if he even knows what the test is, which is rarely true, by the way, some gastroenterologists will know, but most don't do not or don't care. But every time they do it, several hundred dollars. And when you engage in SIBO, it's typical to have to go through the test several times. And it's a real hassle. It's a real hassle. Go to a clinical lab, hang around for three, four hours, have to wait a few weeks for the results. And I, I think this is actually superior because we're not capturing breath in a tube like they do in the lab or clinic. And that tube sits on the counter for a few days where it's, lo- it's losing the hydrogen. Hydrogen is a very tiny molecule and it leaks out of those tubes. So this is an immediate reading on hydrogen and methane. So I think it's actually better. So I, I, Jay, I think this is the game changer. You're too young to remember, and maybe a lot of your viewers are too young to remember, the days of uh, when we didn't have finger stick blood glucoses for type people with diabetes, especially kids with type 1 diabetes. You know, if your three-year-old's running around the backyard and she passes out, loses consciousness, is her blood glucose 900 and she's going to diabetic ketoacidosis, she can die of shock in the next hour? Or is it 30 and she's going to die of brain damage in the next three minutes? Well, back then you had to dip the urine. How in the world do you do that with an unconscious kid in a coma? And I had a family member in my medical school who at age 29 as a type 1 diabetic already had an amputation, kidney failure, and was blind. That's how bad it was. Well, finger stick blood glucose came along. And despite the shenanigans of the American Diabetes Association, it did give diabetics a useful, very powerful, game-changing tool. This is the same thing for intestinal health. Now, it doesn't mean you have to have it to succeed, you know, because SIBO, if you recognize what I call the telltale signs of SIBO, you can go by that too. So you don't need to buy the device, but it is a useful, it's always helpful to have something to track. And another thing about SIBO that you may uh, know is that if you had SIBO, let's say, is irritable bowel syndrome and fibromyalgia and fat malabsorption. You see fat drops in the toilet. You get rid of it. Ah, you're feeling great. Six months later, you have a panic attack. That could be recurrent SIBO. But how do you know that? Well, you test. And that so it gives you confidence in knowing what you're dealing with also. So if someone didn't have that device, how would they know and how would they be able to test for the fact that they do have SIBO? So my first question is, so my audience can understand, what is SIBO? What are the signs and symptoms to look out for? And yeah, how do we really test for it? So it's the situation that is so darn common, Jay. But my very conservative conservative estimate in the US alone is that 100 million people have it. One in three Americans. I think it's actually more than that. So that's conservative estimate gauged by what I see in people testing who it's the uncommon person who tests negative, which which shocked me. I did not expect that. But uh, there are what I call telltale signs, those food intolerances. So people say, oh, I don't eat FODMAPs as long as I don't do that. I'm okay. I don't, I don't eat nightshades, no, no uh, eggplant or tomato. I feel fine. Well, the problem is not the food. The problem is the SIBO that allowed that food intolerance to emerge. Wow. Fat malabsorption is another one where you see fat droplets in the toilet or your poops float consistently. That's another one. There are conditions that are so tightly uh, associated with SIBO that if you have them, you can be confident you've got SIBO. Fibromyalgia is one. Restless leg syndrome is another one. Uh, neurodegenerative disorders, inflammatory bowel disorders, irritable bowel syndrome, yep. um, uh, fatty liver. 
you know, which uh, half the U.S., Jay, half the U.S. has fatty liver and conservatively estimated 50 percent of people with fatty liver. So we're talking about somewhere in the neighborhood, 60 to 75 million people just on the base of fatty liver alone. So uh, SIBO is a situation where all 30 feet of, of intestine, upper and lower GI tract, are filled with microbes. Now, microbes don't live for decades. They live for hours. There's very rapid turnover of trillions of microbes. When they die, some of their breakdown products enter the bloodstream. And that's called endotoxemia. So this was suspected to be a thing for many years, but was finally corroborated by a Belgian group in 2007. But it now tells us with confidence how microbes in the GI tract can be experienced mm. as in the brain, as depression or Alzheimer's dementia, or in the skin as rosacea and psoriasis, or in the joints as fibromyalgia or rheumatoid arthritis. In mm. other words, any organ, any part of the body can be uh, affected by SIBO because of this process of endotoxemia. Oh. <laughs> so you can see why it's such a deadly illness to actually have. And so many people actually walk around and they don't even know they've got it. I mean, I didn't even know what SIBO was a few years ago. I'm mean, like, what, what the heck is that? But all I knew was I was fatigued. I had brain fog. I was craving sugar nonstop. I was losing weight like there was no tomorrow. Um, what some of the other symptoms that I had, muscle aches, um, struggling to go to the toilet as well. So I would see that those fat, the poop would float and, and all that sort of stuff. So I, I just I didn't know that it was SIBO doing that. I knew there was definitely something wrong because I'd sit on a couch with a two-liter tub of ice cream, finish the entire tub uh, pretty much every single day and not gain an ounce of weight. And I would just feel even more hungry as a result. And all I was doing was feeding these microbes and making it even worse for me. Um, so how do we how do we fix it is the big question, right? How do we get rid of these nasty microbes. So if you test positive by the air device or formal H2 testing, or you just have some of these telltale signs or condition virtually synonymous with SIBO, what I was doing, well, what they do in the conventional world, if they even think of SIBO, as you know, most don't, most of my colleagues do not. And it's not because we're making this stuff up. It's because a sad reality of healthcare is my colleagues are about 20 years behind Mm -hmm. So maybe by 2040, <laughs> a nice guy like Jay can go to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, Jay, you got SIBO. So, well, I don't think we want to wait till 2040. Right? So, uh, but if they do know what they're doing, they'll prescribe you a drug called Rifax Rifaximin or Zyfaxin. Very expensive and has about a 40 to 60% likelihood of success. And typically unaccompanied by advice on how you got it, how, why it recurs, things, steps you can take to increase the efficacy, typically you don't get any of that. So we were using herbal antibiotics. There's only two regimens that have any kind of evidence that they're effective, the candibactin regimen and the FC-cidal dysbiocide regimen. We did that for a few years and they do work. They work fairly well. I was skeptical because they're kind of haphazardly concocted, yeah. but there was a study from Johns Hopkins comparing the herbal antibiotics, those two regimens, to the rifaximin. And lo and behold, to my great surprise, the herbal antibiotics were superior mm. and they were successful in the refaction failures. But I've been trying something different. Now, this, is, this is preliminary. We've done this in about 30 people. 
But I, I was I reasoned this. If you take a probiotic, a commercial probiotic off the shelf for your SIBO, will your SIBO go away? No. <laughs> it might get a little bit better, might a little less bloating, a little less diarrhea, but you still got it. You still got 30 feet of unhealthy microbes, stool microbes. So I asked different questions. I asked, what if we chose species and strains that colonize the upper GI tract? That's where SIBO is. That's where the battle is. And choose species and strains that produce what are called bactericins. These are natural antibiotics effective against the species of SIBO. Yeah. So I chose three. I chose uh, Lactobacillus gasseri, because it colonizes upper GA tract, produces up to seven bactericins. It's a bactericin powerhouse. I chose uh, Lactobacillus rotori, my favorite microbe in the world. Uh, colonized upper GA tract, produces up to four bactericins. Uh, and I uh, chose a strain of Bacillus coagulans, uh, also produced one bactericin, uh, does not colonize upper GI tract, but does have a good track record in IBS. Yeah. We co-ferment them. I call it yogurt, Jay, but it's not really yogurt. It's a, it's a prolonged fermentation. We use dairy, looks and smells like yogurt. It's not yogurt. But at 36 hours, we allow these microbes to double 12 or more times. And you get something like 200, 300 billion counts of these microbes. We eat it as yogurt with a little bit of blueberries and chia seeds and whatever. And so far, Jay, 90% of the 30 or so people have done this have converted to H2 negative wow. using this yogurt. I call it SIBO yogurt. Now, that's not a formal trial. We will do a formal trial down the road. We have several trials lined up about to start an animal trial for one of our microbes, uh, a human trial. Uh, and then down the road, we'll do a real trial with this, not as yogurt though, we'll have to encapsulate it in, so we can control the number better. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think we have a microbial, a yogurt way, Jay, to get rid of SIBO. The only downside is when you have to source the microbes, a little bit of a hassle. Mm. And you gotta take it for four weeks. You gotta take it longer than the antibiotics. But so far, cross your fingers, it seems to be working. Wow. Let me get to your four-week program and, and the foods that we should avoid and should consume. Just a moment, but I forgot to ask you, how do people actually get SIBO in the first place? So a lot of it's from antibiotics. So antibiotics uh, kill off. So one of my favorite microbes in the world is Lactobacillus ruteri. I love it because uh, we almost all of us have lost it. You know, if we went to New Guinea, Mm. close in your neighborhood and went to the mountains where some of those primitive tribes, uh, clans still live and who were cannibals only a couple of generations ago, right? And we sequenced their microbiomes. They all have rotori. If we were to look at the microbiomes of your dog or a kangaroo or a deer or a moose or a chicken, they all have rotori. Modern people don't have rotori. It's very susceptible to common antibiotics like ampicillin. So if you took ampicillin for a urinary tract infection or sinus infection, which is very common, you probably lost your rotori. Well, when you restore rotori, this thing that most people have lost, wonderful things happen. It colonizes upper GI tract and sends a signal to your brain via the vagus nerve to release the hormone oxytocin. Mm. Oxytocin, the hormone of love and empathy. And people say, so we make yogurt out of it, get like 260 billion counts per half cup serving. And Jay, people eat this yogurt and they say, you know what? Um, 
I'm crying more at movies. I like my spouse better. I, I like my coworkers better. They don't annoy me as much. I understand other people's points of view better. Mm-hmm. Ladies go nuts because one of the effects of oxytocin is it causes an explosion in dermal collagen and they get smoother skin and less wrinkles starting at about six to eight weeks or so. There's also a restoration of youthful muscle and strength, very explosive effect, by the way. It's a preservation of bone density. There's a suppression of appetite so that you're in complete control over temptation. I'm a chronic insomniac, Jake. Oh, for years, laying awake, watching TV, reading books at two or three o'clock in the morning. I now sleep nine hours straight through vivid dreams. And those of us who wear actigraphic devices like an aura ring or an Apple watch or a Fitbit get about a 20% increase in duration of REM sleep, the mental health preserving restorative phase of sleep. Uh, Libido goes up, the erotic content of your dreams goes up like when you were a teenager or in your twenties. So I'm, this is Jake. That's one microbe. One microbe. So we lose microbes like rotari and other very important species, and it allow whether it's from antibiotics or glyphosate, the herbicide slash antibiotic, or a stomach acid blocking drug, yeah. or ibuprofen, or a statin cholesterol drug. All those things that conspire to screw up our microbiomes, stress, even just stress, you know, financial difficulties, divorce, taking care of an elderly parent who's got cognitive impairment, having an autistic child who's a lot of work, stress all by itself can massively disrupt via probably via stress hormones like um, cortisol and epinephrine, norepinephrine, norepinephrine, epinephrine, adrenaline alone cultivates stool microbes. Huh. It causes an explosion in stool microbes, the E. coli and Klebsiella's. So all these things allowed microbes to proliferate. And now we have it as obesity, diabetes, autoimmune disease, neurogenic. But it also means if you get it, right? Like, like you, if you get it, it's like someone gave you a key yeah. or gave you the combination to a safe. You've got the answer. Sadly, it doesn't come from the doctor. It, so that's why I'm, when I saw this, you know, I wanted to give Angus Short a hug, the guy who invented this, because even though you don't need this to succeed, it validates so much of what we thought. And now it puts so much control, like fingers to glucose, in the hands of, of everyday people. You're right. The doctor didn't really diagnose me with SIBO. And even when I told them after I went and saw a gastro and told him that I had SIBO, he goes, no, 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 no. I'm very, very skeptical with people that don't, aren't, they aren't medically inclined that way. Cause I went and saw a naturopath and she was the one that picked up on it. Because natural, natural medicines and, and all that sort of stuff, very holistic. And he goes, no, 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 I'm, can't, she, that she can't diagnose SIBO like that. And I'm just like, yeah, but I had all the symptoms, mate. <laughs> like, how could it not be? you know, and he was just very naive and just very dismissive of it. So I think a lot of, like what you're saying, doctors need to catch up and quick. <laughs> a lot of I'll bet do. you though, Jay, I'll bet you he was quick to offer an endoscopy and colonoscopy though. Yeah, he was actually. Yeah. yeah. Very quickly. He was very quick to prescribe these drugs from big pharma. Take this, 
spend money. And if it was SIBO, just say for, for, for instance, it was SIBO, then this will cure you. And I'm like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not, not going to take it. I'm going to stick with what I know that it helped me in the past and I'll be, I'll be fine and, <laughs> and healthy once again. So this one microbe, this one bacteria, it's a super, super food, right? It's a super thing that can help us cure SIBO. Well, for, for SIBO, we not Jay, there's probably a whole bunch of different ways to get rid of SIBO, but this was my way. It was the combination of lactobacillus gasseri, lactobacillus rotori, and bacillus coagulans. So it, it, there's a specific way to do this, and, and you have to source it. It's gotten a little easier. So until recently, for instance, the lactobacillus gasseri, the BNR17 strain, and by the way, we have to pay attention to strains with microbes. Mm. Um, it's a it's a hassle I know with these long things like like the um, bacillus coagulans that we use is, is called GBI thirty six zero eight six. I don't make this stuff up, but but you have to pay attention to that because uh, the best illustration I have is you know I have E. coli, you have E. coli, your your viewers have E. coli, but what if you ate lettuce contaminated by cow manure with E. coli? Well, you can die of that E. coli. So same species, E. coli, different strain. So we got to pay attention to strains because it does make a difference. Well, one of the components of my SIBO yogurt is uh, lactobacillus gasseri, the BNR17 strain. Well, the only place to get it till recently was South Korea huh. because that was the company that commercialized it. And we'd have to order it from Korea and they send it to us all in Korean. <laughs> and it was kind of pricey because it was coming from Asia. Yeah. Well, just recently, some of the retailers, when you when you buy microbes from a, <coughs> pardon me, from a manufacturer, they say things like, Mr. Phantom, we'll, we're happy to sell you in 100 kilogram lots and it'll cost you $150,000. Well, Jay says, no, 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 no. I just want a little bit. <laughs> maybe make some yogurt out of it or maybe just a bottle of capsules or something. Well, they say, sorry, you got to buy our large minimums. So it takes a large retailer who's got deep. Well, some of them have picked it up in the U.S. Uh, Joe Mercola uh, bought it and sells it now. It's something called BioThin. Like 24 bucks and you can get it you only need one capsule and then you get the whole by the way when you make these as yogurts or other fermented foods only going to buy these things once because you can make subsequent batches from a little bit of the prior batch so it's a real great money saving maneuver also but there's a little bit of upfront commitment and effort and, and cost but now we can get the the biothin now from the us i don't know what the, what how this works in australia i haven't kept track of that, that specific product but you know, if 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 your viewers want to, and no one's selling it in Australia, you know, you approach some of the big retailers and say, "Hey, there's a bunch of us who want lactobacillus gasseri BNR17 from Korea. Would you please order it and sell it to us?" You know, you know, if if a, a retailer hears that from you know 50, 100, they say, oh, "Oh, wow, there must be a demand for this stuff." They'll do it. It's definitely worth asking the question at least and seeing what they say. Um, but I know getting things here in Australia is a whole process as I'm sure it's like in America and yeah, but it's not, not to say that I won't try because <laughs> if it's going to benefit people's health in a big way, then yeah, definitely. Dr. Davis, what is SIFO or CIFO? So for a lot of the same reasons that unhealthy stool bacterial species proliferate, so do fungal species. Mm. So 
largely because the antibiotics play a big role here. When you re- so bacteria play kind of a traffic cup role with fungi. When you lose healthy microbes like lactobacillus roteri, it allows fungi to proliferate, and then they also can ascend. Yeah. And these are species of candida, like candida glabrata, albicans, tropicalis, malassezia. There's a whole bunch of them. Here's a little trick I use. Uh, one, we don't have an air device, sadly, Jay, for fungal overgrowth. So you're left with either looking for telltale signs, yeah. like eczema. Eczema is a really big one. Uh, so much so that a lot of eczematous rashes respond to antifungal creams and sprays, by the way. So look for eczema or persistent or recurrent eczema, or other fungal infections. So it's very common for people with CFO, fungal overgrowth, to have armpit fungi, fungal rashes, uh, groin, vaginal, uh, under the neck, under the breast, scalp, behind the ears, around here. Uh, those are all fungal signs of fungal, toenail fungal infections. Wow. Those suggest that they are being seeded from your GI tract. Another thing is sugar cravings. That you mentioned, that can be a really potent sign, which is really creepy when you think about it. Because fungi love sugar. If you ever have a fungal uh, uh, um, culture and feed it sugar, they'll go nuts. They love it. So how are they telling humans to eat sugar? They must, no one's identified what, what the metabolite is, but they must be producing some metabolite that goes to your brain and says, Jay, eat sugar to feed me. <laughs> One of the tricks I do is we take a species of fungus called Saccharomyces boulardii, which is a cousin of the Saccharomyces cerevisiae used to ferment wine and beer, but boulardii is adapted to the human body. And we get it in the US, it's called uh, Florastore. It's a commercial product. It's a different name in Australia. And sorry, I don't remember, but, but it's Saccharomyces boulardii CNCM I745. CNCM I745. I don't make this stuff up, <laughs> but that's the best studied one. It's been around for a century, ever since uh, Dr. Henri Boulard uh, discovered it in Southeast Asia. So we get that product. You just need one capsule. You know, a lot of my audience do. They buy it and they share it with other people in social media. Maybe the person who receives it pays a couple of bucks or something. So it's very easy. So get the Flora Store or whatever the brand is in Australia. Take one capsule, empty it into a juice. Uh, a really good one is apple cider, real apple cider, mm-hmm. not apple juice. With, but have to be careful, no uh, preservatives like potassium sorbate because it will yep. stop fermentation. So empty one capsule into any volume, quart, liter, gallon, whatever. Cap it very lightly, not tightly, very lightly. And you'll see within, put it on your kitchen counter. So at room temperature, within 24 hours, Jay, you'll see it bubbling like mad. That's a wild fermentation. It's carbon dioxide. And if you did have a cap on a little, you let <laughs> All this, it's like soda. At the end of 48 hours, you want to refrigerate it. You can go a little further. You go too far, you get apple, hard apple cider. You don't want, we just want the fungus. We don't want the alcohol. Mm. Uh, so 48 hours, maybe 72. The sugar content is dramatically reduced. We drink like a quarter cup, two or three times a day. It's, it's like apple soda. It's effervescent. It's really bubbly like soda. And I've done this met with mango passion fruit juice also and some other juices. It's delicious. And it's a really effective way. Well, let me put it this way. When you get that fungus, it competes with fun, fungi like candida. Yeah. 
It's long and slow, though. It can take a couple of months, and it can really reduce your fungal population. So it's a really easy, fun way and very inexpensive way to uh, deal with fungal overgrowth. There are other things you can do, too. You can take um, their essential oils, food source essential oils that are very effective. And then there's some non-absorbed um, uh, botanicals like berberine and curcumin. You know, I, I always amazed that a lot of these manufacturers say, oh, curcumin, you know, we add bioperin and piperine and nanoparticle emulsions to increase absorption. You don't want absorption. <laughs> you want it to stay in the GI tract to kill off fungi and some of the unhealthy bacteria. So, because, you know, for if you take curcumin, take 100 milligrams, you poop out 99 milligrams or more. So don't force absorption because curcumin is known to be antifungal and it also strengthens the mucus barrier in the intestine. So it's very effective. But people, I also see people take these things chronically. We don't take antibiotics chronically. We don't take things that have antifungal or antibacterial properties uh, uh, chronically either for long periods, because who knows what happens? Generate resistance, who other microbes emerge. So we use them only for a restricted period of time. Yeah. Dr. Davis, this has been such an informative and very interesting conversation. I've learned quite a bit, as I'm sure my audience has. Uh, what other foods, the, the last two final questions for you, because I know your time is very valuable. What sort of uh, some foods that we should avoid if we do have SIBO or, or SIFO? Well, sugars are a clear-cut invitation for both bacterial and fungal overgrowth. You know, all it takes uh, is, a you know, an all-expense-paid vacation where people have, you know, too many margaritas. <laughs> That's all it takes, Jay, just that little bit, and yeah. you can get SIBO-CIFO out of it. So, and of course, people are wildly overexposed to sugar. Grains are a problem. So this is my wheat belly message, that... What you're being sold is bread and pasta and cookies and cakes and is not the wheat of our ancestors. It's this, this thing created essentially in a laboratory. It's a high-yield semi-dwarf strain. It looks very different. If you look for a wheat field, good luck finding it. You won't recognize it. It'll look very, very different from traditional wheat fields. Well, mm -hmm. if you change the composition of the plant so dramatically for yield, you change its effects on humans. And one of the things they did was, you know, farmers have a hard job. And one of the things that farmers and agribusiness, agribusiness scientists did was select strains with better pest resistant properties yeah. so that they're resistant to molds, fungi, and insects. Well, one of the most powerful pest resistant compounds in wheat is something called wheat germaglutinin. So it's toxic to, to, uh, to insects and to molds. So they chose strains enriched in wheat germaglutinin not recognizing that it's a potent bowel toxin. <laughs> if you give it one milligram, Jay, one milligram, a speck to a rat, it destroys its gastrointestinal tract. Well, the average person who eats lots of healthy whole grains gets around 18 milligrams. Now it doesn't wipe out the GI tract like it does in a rat, but it is highly inflammatory. It has other uh, endocrine and hormonal effects also. So that's only one aspect of all the things that this modern creation of agribusiness called wheat does. And so getting rid of it yields all by itself enormous improvements in microbiome composition as well as overall health. One of the primary reasons being you've removed a very potent bowel inflammatory factor. Where do you want people to get a copy of your new book, Dr. Davis? 
uh, just about anywhere they sell books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, uh, your neighborhood bookstore. So it's a mainstream book. It's thank, thankfully we still have that. <laughs> yes, I am too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll make sure that everyone knows where to get a copy of your new book. It's called Super Gut, a four-week plan to reprogram your microbiome, restore health, and lose weight too. I found it fascinating. You've got this uh, section called Frankenbelly and Friends, which I think is quite cool. And you open up the book talking about the the story of Frankenstein and you have a, a quote there which people can go and read. <laughs> and you've also got a, a plan, a diet plan of what foods people should eat and what foods people should avoid too. We've already discussed uh, many of that on, on the show today, which I've really, really appreciated. Dr. Davis, my final question for you. This is a hypothetical one. It's my all-time favorite question. I ask everyone at the end of all my conversations. I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? That, you know, I started out on the wrong foot. I grew up as a really dirt poor kid in a one bedroom, I'm sorry, two bedroom. Uh, no, it was a one, a one bedroom house, a one bedroom house, Jay. My mom, single mom, two sisters on welfare. So I put myself through medical school uh, on my own dime, graduated with a ton of debt, did 17 years total education and training, uh, paid down my debt, went into practice. But then I started to realize, started to recognize, took me many years because I was doing heart interventions, you know, stent implantation, angioplasty, that kind of stuff. And I was pretty good at it. And it was, it's actually a lot of fun. It's, it's a very exciting field. But I also recognized how wrong it was. That's not how you deal with heart disease. You prevent heart disease. Yeah. You know, replacing a hip is not a success. It's a failure. Having a bypass operation is not a success. It's a failure of having prevented the disease. And so I recognize I put a ton of time. I was very proud that I put myself as a poor kid through 17 years of, of school and training totally. only to realize I made a mistake and I was doing things that were just not right. And so it took me many years to undo a lot of that and really recognize and understand a better path. So I, I think what I do now is much more satisfying. I talk to nice people like Jay Phantom and talk about health and how people can take care of their own health. Because if you were like me 25, 30 years ago, you didn't give a crap about health, you gave a crap about procedures and drugs. And that's just plain wrong, Jay. So I, I feel much more comfortable in my skin nowadays, just delivering a message of health. I didn't even touch on how you got started in this profession. Maybe that's a another conversation, <laughs> which I'd love to have you back on and continue this conversation, Dr. Davis. It's been a lot of fun speaking to you and I know my audience is going to love listening to you or watching the video too. But thank you so much for your time, for your story, your wisdom and your advice and for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. Thank you, Jay. And keep on doing what you're doing because it is so important. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired 
motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.